Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back once again to another Minutes with Mew presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. So happy to have Scott Mutrin back. You know him, the BC Learfield IMG Radio Network, former quarterback for the Eagles, the mid-90s. Always a great guest. We love having him on and recapping the BC season. So we'll get right to Scott Mutrin and preview uh, what it was a dominating Boston College victory. 51-0 51-0 to zero over Colgate. First, before we get to Scott, let me just quickly remind you, if you're a BC football fan, you need to be a part of the BC Football Gridiron Club. That's bcfootballgridiron.com. They're live and well. I know they're sponsoring a bus trip to UMass for next week's game. They'll be in Philadelphia for Temple in two weeks. So you got to join them. BC Football Gridiron. That's bcfootballgridiron.com. Okay, now we welcome, you know him, the Minutes with Mute star, Scott Mutrin joins us back once again, 2021. First of all, welcome, Scott, back to the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me, Mike. It's good to be back, good for football season to be started. And yeah, we're talking about this bus trip to UMass, a lot of people jumping on board. Sounds like uh, Paul Christiani and crew, uh, Don Darren, they're doing a uh, great job of getting uh, the fans uh mobilized and heading out to Springfield this Saturday, so it should be pretty exciting. Everyone should jump on board there if they can. Great way to bring the Eagles fans out west. Yes, and, and also, too, if you live in Western Mass or Connecticut or Vermont, they are selling tickets through the club as well if you want to sit together. So, where you know, it wouldn't make sense to take the bus, but it, they, you can do that as well. So, a lot of options with Amherst right down the road. Yeah, and everyone wants options. Everyone wants to see football like Let's not kid ourselves. If anyone saw anything this weekend, it's great to have fans back in the stadium. Okay, Scott, let's get right into it. First of all, just big picture, 51 to nothing. Boston College dominated. You, speaking of fans, just what was it like? You were there all of last year, so you're a great person to ask. And just your overall big picture takes of this win. Yeah, it was great. There were a ton of students there. The student section was jammed. It was great to see everybody back and, and to hear the roar of the crowd and to feel that energy and momentum. That's something you really can't duplicate no matter what in an empty stadium. So it was great to have them back, and it was it was enjoyable. It was such a perfect day for it that although the score was, was not a very tight game, it was still great to have everybody back. And then, of course, getting back to the game, 51 to nothing. I know you had to fill a lot of time on the broadcast, but just from the player perspective, what was your your, your most impressions that you got throughout the game? Well, so starting the defensive side of the ball, they played a lot of guys. Uh, I counted at least, I think, 10 defensive linemen, uh, at least probably nine linebackers, and probably 12 guys in the secondary. So you just run those numbers, that's a lot. Now, some of it was more... Uh, when the game got out of hand, some younger guys got a chance to play. But in, when the game was very much in question, uh, you were still seeing a lot of guys being played. And, and that's that's good to see. BC's roster seems to have a lot of very experienced guys and then a lot of younger guys. So that's a good, uh, it's a good recipe. The young guys get to learn from some of these older guys, yet they still get to get some experience. And then as they, you know, as the 
this year unfolds and you go into next year, they've had some games under their belt and they're ready to kind of uh, take that mantle and go on, on that route. So that's a, that's a good blend, and Jeff Halfley and his staff has done a great job with that recruiting class. A lot of good freshmen that were out there and some good guys to watch going forward that way. And Offensively, you're a very experienced group, with a lot of experience back, the whole line uh, especially, and I think that... Um, they're kind of going to be leaned on to at the beginning of the season while the defense gets their feet underneath them. They're going to be leaned on to kind of carry the load, and, and you saw that a lot on Saturday. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Phil Dracovic, 16 for 24, 303 yards, three TDs, no pick. As a former QB yourself, you're always a great person to ask, what was your general takes on his performance in the QB position? Um, his numbers look great. And he did some good things. Uh, I think BC was very committed to running the football. They want to establish that this year to uh, to be a more impactful part of the game. I think that they were easy to get away from the running game last year, and, and this year they, they seemed very committed to, to running the football, and, and that's a good thing. And the, the tough thing, as I mentioned during the broadcast, is you can't really duplicate game speed uh, in practices or even in scrimmages. So... This was really a good opportunity to get live work in the running game. And they were able to do that and, and, and get some things done. And, and Phil uh, put up some good numbers. I think he needs to probably be a little more sharp, and he would say that. He's had a lot of big plays uh, down the field, which we're accustomed to seeing. But I think he's probably once would say he wasn't at his sharpest, and he's got he's to do some work on some, uh, some more consistency, which he's been focused on this offseason. But it was a good start. And you never want to finish product after the first game. You always want something to to watch, uh, you know, review and get better at. So what do you mean he's got to work on his sharpness? Is that receiving receivers down the field, breaking away, or more concrete with the, the ball in the right spot? I guess, what, what do you mean exactly that? I would say two things. One, it's just kind of pocket presence. He's got to do a little better job of climbing into the pocket to give his offensive lineman a chance to run some of those defensive ends and to stand in there and deliver the football inside the pocket instead of escaping and maybe getting some negative sacks or plays that way. And then I'd say just simply in the drop-back game or even in the play-action game is putting the ball in receivers where they can maximize the catch and maximize the run after the catch instead of having to maybe come back and, and to, to catch a ball. Now, there were a lot of guys that were wide open out there, so... Sometimes you just want to put the ball on them and let them run. But I think as you start getting higher quality opponents, you need to be a little more sharp in, in your accuracy and uh, some anticipation throws that he showed in the in the spring and fall camp. And, and I think, you know, the first game you got to get some of those things out. But, I mean, to, to be critical of a guy who had eight completions and three touchdowns is, is pretty tough. But I would say that if Phil wants to really put his name on the national status, those are some of the things that he's probably going to have to look to do. Were you surprised? I had some fans talk to me over the weekend how long he stayed in the game, Phil, I'm talking about. It seemed like he was kind of in there a little too long against Colgate. And I, 
I think the fans wanted it, expected the game to be like Howard from a bunch of years ago and that it would be, you know, 51 to nothing at half. And it's just sometimes that doesn't happen. I, you know, they had a great opening drive and then two drives where they missed a couple plays and a couple drops that caused them punt. And I don't think the game was ever really in question, but I think people probably wanted him to be out a little bit sooner. But, you know, he needs that live work, and everybody does too. You're worried about health, I get it. But, I mean, he needed he needed to get in there and get live game speed because, as I mentioned before, it's, there's nothing that really duplicates that. No practice can really do that. And then, Scott, you know, the rushing game, it was kind of scattered. Travis Levy led with nine carries, 32 yards, but no really big, big performance here. Djokovic had 61 yards himself. I guess your thoughts on the rushing game in terms of it being across the board? I think it's part of a learning process with the running backs and the offensive line. Things happen quicker during the game. Um, I think that Colgate was very determined to not let BC run the football, so they have a lot of guys close to the line of scrimmage. Um, but it's one of those things that you have to keep doing it, even though you're not getting the, the success that you wanted. They played four, um, well, five running backs as he got late. But, I mean, there's four-man rotation there um, with with the guys that they have there. But they all add a different little dynamic, and I think, you know, you're going to see some, some younger guys emerge at that position that are going to get an opportunity to uh, – to contribute, David Coleman being one of them, I think he's a he's a guy that to, to keep an eye on as the season progresses. And then receiving, wow, you know, I, I don't know if I can remember this depth of the wide receiver position a long time at Boston College. Zay Flowers, seven receptions, C.J. Lewis, three, and then you know Colby White came in too with another reception. Just your thoughts on this receiving core? Well, I think it's the best um, that BC's ever had, not just. Um, with the explosive nature, but with the depth of that position, they can go six, seven guys deep there. And that's one of the things that when you look at them, um, it's something you're not accustomed to seeing. There's just a lot of playmaking ability um, in, at that position. And don't forget uh, Trey Berry, who's the, the transfer um, transfer tight end who's kind of taken the – He's kind of taken the the lead from Hunter Long and kind of has gone in there, and he looked pretty good. He had a great touchdown where he uh, um, where he hurdled the defender going into the end zone. But that was uh, it was nice to see that. Um, I, I think that when you when you look around, Jaden Williams is a nice young name. He had a great touchdown catch. Um, he's a guy that you're going to want to keep an eye on as you go forward because I think he's going to be an impactful player. And, and when you look at they. C.J. Lewis, Kobe White, Jaden Williams, Jelani Galloway, um, and and throw in some of the running backs as well. I think you have a really really deep group there. So I was I think that that's something that's going to be fun to watch those guys grow. And then you know Scott, as you're as you're talking, I'm thinking, geez, from a QB perspective, how much? And as you know, as a QB, I mean, how much would you love to have had this core when you were playing in the receiving? Does it just make you want to smile and kind of lick your chops a little bit? Oh my God! Absolutely, to have that best talent around you, there's nothing like it. They make you look. They make you look that much better. The amount of separation that they were creating was there. They were wide open a lot of times, and some of that skill, uh, skill and some of that scheme. But just to create that separation makes your job as a quarterback so much easier. It takes a little of that pressure off. You just got to be, um, for lack of a better term, like a dealer in cards. You just got to deal with all the guys or a point guard in basketball. You just got to get the ball to guys and let them do what they do best and kind of uh, you know get after it. So that was a, 
that's something as a quarterback it takes a lot of pressure off your plate. You know you can have a good day in your A game. Deal, you're dealing some blackjacks, right? A lot of aces. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Blackjack all around. Just um, just put a bow tie on this game. The special teams now, a couple injuries. Just your thoughts overall, uh, special teams versus Colgate. Yeah, I'm missing Aaron Boomeri, who was automatic kicking extra points the last couple of years. So, um, you know, you had that, that aspect come in, and that's, um, you know, that's part of the, the process Danny Longman uh, – did all right. Did miss an extra point, but I uh, was able to make a field goal as well. So I, I just think that uh, the more that he can get comfortable and, and established there, the, the better off it'll be. I don't. We don't know how long Aaron's going to be out, but he was out last week. So guys have to step up, step up there and to be able to um, contribute. Okay, now we got UMass next week. You know, Sky's a former player. Big win over Colgate, fifty-one nothing. Um, are you and do you, how do you think Coach Halfley is talking to his team and uh, to try to you know you can't let I would think let your feeling your your spirits get too high because you know while UMass is not exactly Alabama you know it's still a notch up from Colgate next week. Yeah, you're you're definitely rationing up the competition. They have they've had a bunch of transfers in there from Division One programs and one of the running backs from Rutgers and they had a couple of Michigan and and other power power five schools that have. Uh, that have transferred over to to, the, to Walt Bell's program, but you know they they had a tough tough game against Pitt, and uh, there's there's some talent. They're trying to get some things together. It's not it's not easy at UMass when you're not in a conference. It's really tough to get guys, and there's just a lot of um, difficulties for them. But it's definitely going to be a ratchet up in athleticism. It'll be a good battle, and, and anytime you get. Two, two teams from the same state battling. You've got that little rivalry going. No matter if you know you have a ton of Massachusetts or not, there's still some state bragging rights and pride for that. So there'll be guys that have probably played against each other since high school that are going to play against each other. So um, that will ramp it up a little bit. Plus, you're playing on the road. It's your first road game. Things things are different on the road. You just things can happen, and you just got to be able to weather the storm there and continue to kind of stay on your path. But, but like you said, it's it's each week you're either getting better or you're getting worse. No one stays the same. That was a classic Tom O'Brien line from back in the day. And I would say BC needs to look at the film and things that they did well and get better at them and correct the mistakes that they made and work on those and just use it as a building block for the rest of the year because you know you want to be better going to UMass and then after that going to Temple. You want to continuously be getting better um, so that when you hit that neat part of the schedule, you're starting to find your stride and, and identity as a team and what you're going to be. I think these first three games are filling out process. You're never the same. Even though the personnel's back, you're never the same team as you are uh, the year before. So this these first couple games, are you got to find out what this year's team's going to be and what is the identity of this year's team and not really look back on last year and say, well, why aren't they the last year? Because they're different. Even if the people, the players are the same, you're always going to be different. So they're going to find out who they are and what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are. And the coaching staff does a great job of really bringing out um, where they're good and accentuate those skills so that they can be successful and then try to clean up a lot of the weaknesses so that they're, uh, they're not glaring ones. Okay, now the most important question. How will the food scene be for you at UMass Amherst? What are you doing pregame? Are you going to get stop out in a restaurant or are you just doing a quick day trip? <laughs> I don't 
don't know. That's a good question. There are a lot of moving parts, uh, you know, when you're driving out to the game. I don't know if I'm going to be going with the broadcast. I'm going to go by myself. You know, my, my, I got kids here that are running 17 different directions, so they got to be, I got to be judicious with my time and get the most out of it. So hopefully the press box at UMass is going to be able to fit the bill because I don't think I'm going to have time to stop or, or grab anything and tailgate-wise. So I got to make the most of uh, I got to make the most of it while I'm in the press box and see what UMass has to offer. We uh, we had uh, it was nice to have the, the, the chowder back in the press box and so a nice chicken marsala that they had. Wow. Uh, pre-game that was pretty nice. I did not make the uh, pre-game tailgate that. Uh, the Learfield hosted, but or the Gridiron Club hosted. That was my bad, but um, hopefully I will uh, for the Missouri game when we get back there. We'll be able to get some some good show, um, and that's always a big part. Uh, you know, happy belly is happy broadcaster. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, this is a quick trip, so you'll be in and out nice and quick. All right, Scott, tell all the listeners how they can listen to you this uh, coming Saturday versus UMass. Where where do we go? Uh, you can go on to WEI, 8.50 a.m., I believe, because the Red Sox are still uh, playing, so we won't be on the mothership station. You can also listen on Sirius XM in your cars. A lot of people like to tune that on. Uh, I know people, especially not in the, in the Massachusetts area, it's a great way for them to, to hear the broadcast if, they can't, if they're busy driving kids around to various events. They're able to listen to the broadcast on Sirius, or you can get tuned in and listen to tune in on your on your uh, phone as well. So plenty of opportunities to listen to Meter, Crow, Mr. Cronin, and myself. So uh, please take those uh, opportunities, listen in. Love to hear feedback on social media, too. It's always good to hear from our fans and uh, BC fans and things that they enjoy, things that they, they don't enjoy. It's always good to have interaction with the fans. All right, Scott, we'll be listening. Scott Mutrin, truly worldwide. Thank you so much for joining us here. I'm not as worldwide as you, Mike. I follow your social media. You've been way all over the place. I'm pretty impressed with your travel resume. So uh, I'm just trying to keep up with you. (laughs) There you go. Well, thank you so much, Scott. Appreciate it. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.